0: we come to hear your story, so that we may then incorporate your story into our story. We pray that as we hear your word proclaimed, that you just open our hearts and minds, and so that we may receive what you have for us today. So, Lord, we lift for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the third week of Lent, and we are continuing our series on the good and beautiful God. We're we're, we're taking a look at narratives and and how important narratives play a part in, in our lives. You know, we all have a story to tell, and we all have different ways that we may view the God who loves us and cares for us. We started out talking about how God is good and how everything about God is good. And, and sometimes we we fail to see that because of events that happens in our lives. So we talked about God being trustworthy. And, and we say God is trustworthy because God has been there. You know, if we look at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, he had to deal with all of those emotions that, that we've had to deal with. He, he dealt with loss. He dealt with rejection. He dealt with pain. He dealt with grief. He dealt with all of these things. So that lets us know that the God who is trustworthy in, in our lives is because he's been there. He's done that. And one of the ways that we can look at how God is trustworthy is that we take a look and give thanks for what God has given us. That was our activity for last week. Uh, our, our Lenten activity was to take a look and, and give thanks for all that God has. you and, and to actually start a list. So I just want to ask real quickly, those of you who did that, how many of you had uh, 10 things on your list? Raise your hand. 20. 30. Forty? About forty, that's that's about how early service forty more for fifty? Do I do I have sixty? We could feel like an auctioneer here. <laughs> no. No, about 40, 50, that's kind of where we, we, we kind of petered out, uh, petered out a little bit. You know, we, we, we can come up with stuff over and over again. And what I really recommend that you do is don't stop doing that. Continue to give thanks for what God has given you. Just, t- just take that list and continue to, to expand on it. That way you can see all of the ways that God is trustworthy in You're alive. Because God wants to give us good things. God wants to give us good relationships. God wants to give us all of these abundance that He has for us. Sometimes we fail to see when life gets difficult or when life gets hard. We we tend to minimize all of the good things because of one little bad thing that happened. I was listening to a, a podcast that I that I like to listen to, a guy by the name of Michael Hyatt. And he was talking about on an ordinary day, he, he had a day that he said was just, a, just a, a horrible day. He couldn't get anything done. It just felt like the whole day was a waste. But then whenever he sat down to think about those things that he accomplished in these days, those, those blessings that he had, he realized that maybe it was just honestly 45 minutes out of the day that was not good But the rest of the day, he said, man, you know, I could see God touching this part of the day. I I could see the blessings that flowed from this part of the day. But we really love to focus on just a small time or a small part of our lives and then let that define who we really are. As we continue to talk about narratives, I think today's narrative is probably the most dangerous narrative, not the God is generous part, but the, but the negative part of that. And that narrative is this earning narrative, and that is the most damaging thing that we can do to ourselves as Christians, to, to look at our lives and say, man, I have to earn what God has given me. Henry Cloud is a a leadership expert and a, a psychologist, and he wrote this series of books called Boundaries. You may be familiar with those books. And he talked about that one of the most dominant narratives that he has heard in churches throughout his life is the narrative that God is good, you are bad, try harder. God is good, you are bad, try harder. And this narrative plays out over and over again in our lives that when we look at our relationship with a God who loves us and cares for us, we, we don't want to believe it. If we look at our own lives, our lives are full of this earning narrative. Like if you're a business owner and you're trying to get your company successful, the thing you have to do is to earn more business than your competitor in order for you to be successful. Or say you work in an office and you have other people who do the same type of job that you are doing and you want to get a promotion. What you have to do is that you have to work harder. You have to do better than everybody else around you so that you can get that promotion. And it just doesn't stop there. For students who are here, you know that you have to earn the grades that you receive in school. If you don't earn the grades that you you need to get, then you won't get into those good schools. There's a joke there, but I'm not going to go there. But you have to earn your good grades in order to get somewhere. See, this earning narrative is all, uh, all around us, and it's so easy for us to take this narrative and transfer it over to the scripture that we read too. You can take stories in the Bible and say, well, yeah, of course, you have to earn, you have to do better, because if you don't, then God won't love you or God won't care for you. Let's just start at the beginning. The story of creation, Adam and Eve, they messed up and they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden because of their behavior. The Israelites who were promised this this land, they messed up and then they were sent to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. King David, he messed up and had an affair with a married woman. So he ended up killing the married woman's husband and then the son that he had with Bathsheba died. Even if we go into the New Testament, there, there's a story of Ananias and Sapphira who came to the early church in Acts and they lied to them about what they were bringing as their offering. And the story says that God struck them down dead for lying. But see the problem is when when we live into this earning narrative, we only take a look at part of the story. We we fail to look at the rest of the story as Paul Harvey would say. We fail to look at see how God uses those those moments or those stories and God's good comes from it. For example, Adam and Eve. Yes, they were expelled from the garden, but if you look at the rest of the story that God provided for them with clothing and and God still was with them. For the Israelites, even though they were wandering, God provided food for them. He provided them a way for them to find their way through the desert to finally get to the promised land. Even King David, we we know and understand King David to be a man after God's own heart. And even though he did kill someone and and he had this affair, the second child of Bathsheba was King Solomon and he took over the kingdom of, of David. And then even the story of Ananias and Sapphira, even though they were struck down for their dishonesty, we can't overlook the good that happened in the early church. We can't overlook the ministry and how all that they were doing was reaching out and sharing God's love in a tangible way. It's so easy for us to take little bits and pieces of Scripture and say that this is what it truly means when, the matter of fact, we just totally miss the entire story of God's love and generosity for each and every one of us. Our uh, Scripture, I have on, uh, well, one of, in the bulletin, I believe it says it's a Romans passage as our Scripture for the day, but actually I decided to go to a different passage. It's from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 15, and this is one of Jesus' parables, and I want you to listen to see how Jesus is using this story to talk about the goodness of God, the generosity of the God who loves us and cares for us. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After he agreed with the workers to pay them a denarian, which is a regular day's wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Then he went out around nine in the morning and saw others standing around the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. And they went. Again around noon, and then at three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. Around five in the afternoon, he went and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you just standing around here doing nothing all day long? And they said, Because no one has hired us. He responded, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the workers and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and moving on finally to the first. When those who were hired at five in the afternoon came, each one received a denarian. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarian. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. These who were hired last worked one hour, and they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But the landowner replied to one of them, Friend, I did you no wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you a denarian? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give to this one who was hired last, the same as I give to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I am generous? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, in face value, we can look at that that scripture and say that the landowner totally ripped off those who were there at the beginning of the day. But see, Jesus is taking a parable that was taught time and time again by other rabbis around that time, and he took a little twist to it. See, other rabbis would, would, would share this parable, and they would share the exact same way that those who were there at the very end got the exact same as those who were hired at the very beginning of the day. But the big difference was that the rabbis would say, well, those who came at the very end of the day, they worked really, really hard. And they, they actually did more work than those who were there at the beginning of the day. So they earned extra pay. They got what they deserved because they were really, really hard workers. And of course, they should have gotten more because of all of the work that they put in. But Jesus gives us a different view. Jesus gives us a different picture of God's marketplace, if you will, God's full generosity. He says, you know, those who come at the end, they get the same amount of grace as those who have been around for a long, long time. For those of us who were born uh, into uh, Christian homes, if you will, and The Sunday after we were born, our mommies and daddies picked us up and they took us into the church. God's grace is the same for us. Just as somebody who comes to faith tomorrow and becomes a professing Christian, that grace is the same for everyone. Jesus points this out time and time again in his parables. And he really points this out when he is on the cross. And as he's hanging on the cross, he has the two thieves on either side. One of them is just jeering at him, making fun of him because he can't get down. Or the other one says, you need to be quiet because you don't know who this man is. And he looks at Jesus and he says, will you have mercy on me. Will you accept me into your kingdom? And Jesus says, even today, when we die, you will be with me in paradise. See, the same grace that God gives to somebody who has been around the block several times as a follower of Jesus Christ is the same grace that God Gives to others. I love the words from Brennan Manning who says that Jesus reveals a God who does not demand but who gives, who does not oppose but who raises up, who does not wound but heal, who does not condemn but forgives. Jesus is all of these things for us, and all we have to do is to receive the gift that God has given us. Now the question may come to mind, well, Pastor Chris, what about sin? When you're talking about God being generous and and being open to those who have just received the faith, aren't you taking sin lightly? My answer is no. I don't take sin lightly. Because sin does more damage to God's children than anything else. God hates sin because he knows that it separates us from him. Not because of what God does, but how we respond to the sin. When we sin, we hide ourselves. When we sin, we we tend to put up a barrier saying, there's no way that I can be worthy of a God who is so holy and loving and good but God says your sin only damages you as one of my children. I am absolutely crazy about you. 1 John 4, 10 and 11 says it this way, and this is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And then 1 John gives us this this template of what we are to do, and we'll talk more about this next week. says, Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. See, that is what a generous God does. That is how God takes our sin and takes our lives and, and, and takes it so far away from us that all we have to do is to focus on our relationship with him so each week during this season of Lent I've given you an exercise to practice the first exercise was spending five minutes in silence and that last week we talked about being thankful this next week I want you to focus on one of the most beautiful poems in scripture and that is the 23rd Psalm and unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, that, uh, because most of the time when we use the 23rd Psalm, it's at a funeral. And and we share that, uh, that, that scripture at a funeral, we tend to ignore it the rest of the time in our lives. But if you really want to see how generous God is, take a look at the words in the 23rd Psalm. This is a psalm about how God provides, how God protects, and how God continues to lavish God's love on each and every one of us. So your task is to allow the 23rd psalm to be the very first thing you say in the morning, and then let the 23rd psalm be the very last thing you say before you go to bed. I practice this whenever my alarm goes off and I smack my alarm on my watch or Tracy hits the alarm off the side of the bed. The very first thing I say before I get up is I go over the words of the 23rd Psalm to let that be a reminder of God's generosity and love for me. So since I'm saying that this is a task Starting today, I know most of you probably haven't said the 23rd Psalm this morning yet. So I have it up on the screen. So I invite you to join with me as we share in the 23rd Psalm, of course, the uh, King James version, because that's such a beautiful, beautiful rendering of this passage. So would you please join me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you hear God's generosity in that scripture? Do you hear how God is with us every step of our lives? Do you hear how God desires to be in a relationship with each and every one of us? So take this passage. Take it if you, ha- if you have a phone that has a Bible app on it. Open it up during the day and just read over those words. Read over those words as you wake and as you go to bed. Maybe before a meal, read it together and just, just bathe in this generous God that loves us and cares for us. My hope and my prayer is as we continue to move through this season of Lent, we start to fix those narratives that we may have about God, and we can live in his unshakable kingdom. Would you please pray with me? Oh God, we thank you that you have blessed us and that you give so generously to us. And I know sometimes we don't feel like we deserve the love that you have given us. But God, help us to know that we do not need to earn your love. That time and time again, you just continue to pour out your love on us. Help us to bask in that love and help us to do what we can to accept freely the gift of grace before us. So Lord, we lift these things in the strong name of the one who loves us and cares for us, Jesus our Lord. Amen.